Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Praise God. Okay, I'm going to get in today's Word. I got to get in the Word. T-Bird, stop. You got me fired up. Give God some praise in this place. Got to get to the word. Got to get to the word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're, if this is your first time here, listen, we believe in the Bible, the infallible truth of God. We think it's inerrant. There is no mistakes in the Bible. The only mistake that you can find in the Bible is that of your understanding. We believe in that. And I believe that the word trumps everything. I, I believe in prophecies. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in all that. But I believe that the word of God is on top of all that. So even when we prophesy and when we speak words of knowledge and words of wisdom and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though we do that, I just want to share with you that the word of God must go forth. It has to. Why? Because Jesus is the word. He says, lo, I come in the volume of the book. Me as a pastor, I've been charged to give you the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and the word became flesh. I am here to give you the word. So yes, I love to have a good time. Yes, I love praising God. Yes, I love the way it feels and everything else. But at the end of the day, uh, you're going to get some word before you leave out of here. Amen. So we can shout all we want. And once we're done shouting, we can we're going to preach. We're going to tell what God says. Then we can shout some more. We can shout on our way out the door. Shout until our masks get wet and soggy. We can do it all. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It is an honor to be up here. Feliz Día de los Padres. Mi amigos, mi hermanos, hermanas. Gracias. Same to you. God bless you guys. Happy Father's Day. Just to let you guys know, I'm going to say this again because I feel it stirring in my spirit. For those of you here, you fathers that are here today, God has a word for us to be more of a father than we are already. And I'm just telling you right now, um, saints of God, I'm talking to men. Can I talk to men? Can I talk to us men for a minute? I'm going to talk to you guys, dads, for a second. I'm in a place and I'm in a position that for years, and and, and let me share something with you guys so you understand. My two oldest boys came from previous relationships, okay, before I got married. I have two older sons, and you guys know our youth pastor, Pastor JR is my eldest son. Yes. I have another son named Juwan, and he lives in Sacramento, and then I have Judah, and I have heaven. Now... JR and Jawan are from two different relationships. And I wanted to share something with you because even though my son, JR, here is with me, we minister together and everything else, because I, me, the man, did not follow the statutes of what God has called for in a relationship, there had to be some things that I had sown that I had to reap. Listen to me very carefully, young men that are in here. Those of you that don't have children yet, please listen to me. There is an issue that happens in our kids without having the family structure around them. And it's not the woman's fault. It's the man's fault. Why? Because God called the men to run things. But we're supposed to run it the way Jesus did, not in a, uh, I hate to use that word. I'm not even going to use that word. Not in a world way. God said you do it biblically, which means you respect and honor the woman. And if you're in here right now and you have a child from a woman that can't stand you, she's taking you to court a thousand times. She's trying to take all your money. She's trying to make you look bad. That is no excuse for you not to be there for your child. I figured I'd get a few women in here clapping about that. I'm just trying to share this with you, gentlemen, because we're taking it out on our kids, that which is between you and the mom. And, And at the end of the day, you're the one that laid down with her. 
This isn't in my message. I'm just trying to get this across to you because it happens. I'm telling you from experience, if it had not been for Jesus in my life, if it had not been for Jesus in my son's life, we wouldn't be as close as we are now. Gentlemen, I'm telling you, I don't care how she acts. You can't control how she acts. You can control how you act. And how important is your child to you? Will you fight? And I'm not talking about fight going to church. I mean, going to court. I'm talking about fight just by loving. You got a problem with what love means? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love endures in all things. It does not rejoice in evil. So this is what we have to do. And I'm sharing this with you. And for you young people, there is a reason why God is a God of order. And part of that order is marriage then family amen it's no condemnation to anybody because if this condemnation I'd be in condemnation I'm not but I'm trying to save you the heartache and the headache that I had to go through there's still things that I'm dealing with because of my sins do you hear me and some of you right now are sitting down well you know you know pastor it turned out good for you it should turn out good for me no let me share something with you i have friends that would say the same thing well you know you know pastor you was out there in the streets for this long and then you gave your life to christ and now everything's good i got some friends that wanted to wait till later and you know where they're at right now in the grave because god shows mercy and grace to whom he shows mercy and grace to some people didn't make it and you may not be able to make it so I'm telling you right now, respect the order that God has created. It will be better for you later on. Amen. For those of you that right now that didn't, listen, once again, no condemnation. God can take and restore anything. I just need you to understand that it wasn't God that did it to you. It was our wrong choices and our wrong decisions. We need to lay that at the Lord's feet and deal with whatever we reap or whatever we sow, we're going to reap. You guys hear me? Because if you had time, I'd sit down and tell you some of the troubles I had to go through with my kids and how the, our relationship is still, still kind of off because of that fact. Can, can, I'm just sharing this with you. I'm a father just trying to share this with you guys. And some of you guys right now are in here right now. You got, you got mothers or, or anything like that right now. And you just, right as I'm speaking, you're like, yeah, but you, don't, you just don't know, Pastor. You just don't know. There's people watching us online saying, man, he don't know. He don't know. Trust me. I know. At the end of the day, I love the way my mom told me. She goes, John, it doesn't matter. You fight for your kids. You show your kids how much you love them. You be there for them. Every time it's opportunity to be there, you be there. Every time you, you, you don't, I don't want any excuses, you show up. Football games, basketball games, you be there. Just make sure you're there. Make sure they see their face. Make sure you're there. Just don't make phone calls. And the last thing I want to tell you, gentlemen, if you guys are listening to me, don't sit down and complain about it. I do do stuff. Man, I pay, I give them, I pay child support. I, I give them uh, stuff on Christmas. I, I pick them up sometimes. I'm being there. You supposed to do that. There, you, I'm not going to pat you on the back for doing stuff you supposed to do come on men I'm a good dad I'm a, that dude you're just being a father I don't know about good and that but you know you taking care of what you made JR's 27 years old I don't pat him on the back for going going potty good job son good job something wrong with that Okay, so I just want to let you guys know every year on Father's Day, I go on a tangent about manliness. Todos los años, el día de, de los padres, hago una tangente sobre la machismo. And guess what? I'm going to do it again. Is it okay if I go on a tangent? I'm going to do it anyway. It doesn't matter. There's, there's, <laughs> there's two issues Hey, those problemas that I need to address. Number one, men, listen to me. You guys listening? First issue, I got a problem with manscaping. You guys know what manscaping is? You about to know. I just don't understand why men shave their bodies. I didn't say groom. I said shave. I don't understand that. God made men with hair on their bodies. Men are supposed to have hair uh, besides on their heads. So, se supone que los hombres tienen viejo uh, en el cuerpo. You're supposed to have hair on your body. 
Why shave it off? We're getting so caught up in this world today that women like men like that. Do you know in the Bible, that's like some of these women like, "Uh uh-uh. You know in the Bible it talks about men that do that, that they they want to be soft. Soft. They shave their bodies and they, they want to be like their counterparts. They want to be smooth and soft and they, they pluck their eyebrows. And I'm not talking about grooming. I'm not talking about grooming. I'm talking about their eye, their, their eye line. They just, it looks better than a girl. They like eyebrows beyond fleek. They still say that. Um, so they, they just be perfectly pointed up and down. I don't understand why men are doing that. The Bible in Galatians chapter 5 talks about manifestations of the flesh. And one of them is effeminate. That's what it means. And men are trying to become soft and, 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 and women are liking it. I don't understand. I remember the days of, uh, of people like uh, Chuck Norris. You know, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris would take his shirt off and be out there, hair all out. Jim Brown got taco meat just all on his chest. And, 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 and people loved it. You know, women would go crazy for all the hair. The big, thick mustache. What, 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 the big, thick. I wish I could grow a big, thick mustache. I can't do it. it I wish I could, a beard just sticking out, hair growing out my ears. That's manly stuff. But now what they're trying to convince men to do is be completely naked and bald on their face and on their... And and I truly believe, if I can do more studies, that I think it's biblical that men should not shave below the sternoclavicular notch. That's this notch right here. It's right here. You should be no shaving below this line. You can trim it. Got to maintain it. I understand because sometimes the hair on your chest is so thick it pokes through your shirt. Can somebody say amen? It just like the, the threads come out. That's okay. But you shouldn't be able to shave that stuff out. Just, Jesus don't like it. I believe Jesus had hair on his chest and on his back. I think he did. The second thing I got to deal with you guys with is this. Watch this. T-shirts. T-shirts. You guys are like, well, what's my problem with T-shirts? I don't have a problem with T-shirts. You know, to call it a T-shirt because it's shaped like a T, right? T-shirt. I, I don't mind shirts that kind of, what do we say? What do we say? Swoop. The swoop. You know how they, they swoop down here in the back and they go down like that? Got the little. Those are okay too. The problem I got is the U-shirts with the scoop. The scoop, neck. they go down real low on men. That ain't a t-shirt. That's a blouse. That's a blouse. You got guys walking around showing they shaved chest with the big scoop. That's not manly. Y'all talking about pastor, that's wrong. I'm just sharing it with you guys. This is just my opinion. It's my opportunity. It's Father's Day. You hope you guys are hearing me. They call a T-shirt a T because it's a T. A U-shaped shirt is a no-go. That's the U on the neck. And the only other letter a shirt that person could wear is a V-neck. V-necks are okay for guys, all right? You guys write that down. So, now, on a side note, there's nothing more manly than a man who has confidence in himself because of his confidence in God. Can I get an amen? Yes, un hombre que sabe a dónde... Lo está llevando Dios y confía en Dios para llegar allí. A man that knows where God was leading him and trusts God to get him there. That's manly. I'm looking. Women are like, yes, teach it, pastor. Yes, but you have to understand something. No todos los hombres son padres y no todos los padres son hombres. Yes, everybody, I heard some, mm. And you're like, well, what did he say? I'm going to tell you. Not all men are fathers, and not all fathers are men. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all men are fathers, and not all fathers are men. Hacer hijos solo demuestra que eres un hombre. Making children just proves you're a male. Just because you can make children doesn't make you a man. doesn't make you a father either. Just because you have the capability of making a child, your dad just proves that you're a male. What makes you a man is caring, providing, and being present. Cuidar, proveer, y estar presente. Being present is a part of what makes you a man. It's just a part. 
But so many of us all the time, we want to be called dad or father just because we made a child, but we aren't doing the job. It's like you being like you being a mailman and you ain't delivering mail. How could you be a mailman if you ain't delivering mail? It's part of the job. Man. Dios diseñó a los padres para bendecir a sus hijos. God designed fathers to bless their children. People want blessings. How many people want to be blessed? Well, somebody's got to bless you. God created men and fathers to bless their children. He designed us that way. But because we now live in a fatherless society, we have a generation of men that grew up with no father or fathers that didn't know how to parent. This is demasiado hombres crecien sin un padre y no sabien como convertirse en padre. So this morning, I'd like for us to turn to the 27th chapter of Genesis. And this is a story about Isaac bestowing a blessing to Jacob. Now, of course, if you guys know your Bible, that um, the blessing wasn't actually intended for Jacob. It was intended for his older son, Esau. But through deception, the blessing was given to Jacob instead. Let me catch you up with the story so we don't have to read the whole thing. I'll just catch you up. As you guys know, Father Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac married a woman named Rebecca. She had two twins in her old age also like her mother-in-law. Her two twins were named Esau and Jacob. Now, Esau was the oldest because Esau was born first. Just to let you know why Rebekah was pregnant, there was, they were always tussling around in her stomach. They was fighting in her stomach. The Bible talks about it in Genesis chapter 25 that they used to fight all the time in her stomach. And the Lord said, listen, because inside your womb, there are two nations and one will serve the other. So she has this tussling and toiling. So you can imagine they're like, look, so the one that's going to serve the other one is the one that comes out second. But Esau comes out first, and when Esau comes out, Jacob is holding on to his leg like, ah, 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 nope, but he lost. So after they were born, Jacob, I'm going to tell you, Esau comes out, he's redheaded, he's got red hair, he has hair all over his body, even at a young age, he was manly, macho, Ah, hair on his chest, he didn't shave it, everywhere on his face, on his arms, on his hand, but his brother Jacob came out, and he was like, actually, if you read some of the scholars, they say Jacob was so fair-skinned and so, so good-looking that he made other people mad. By the way, Jacob stands, that word means surplanter or trickster. So Esau ends up being the outdoorsman with hairy arms, hairy hands. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. He loved to do everything that his dad loved to do. His dad loved him dearly. But Jacob was more like a home buddy, and he spent a lot of time at home with his mom. So he was a mama's boy. Y'all, some of y'all got my sons that are mama's boys. He loved to be around his mom. And then Isaac finally had grown old. And in his old age, he realized, he says, look, my, my time for departure is coming. It's, it's, it's almost here. So he looks at Esau because Esau being the oldest is the one that's going to get the blessing from him. He tells Esau, listen, I want you to go out, go hunting, go get some game, make that stew that I, you know I love and bring it back to me so I can eat it and I want to bless you. I need to bestow upon you a blessing. Now Isaac's um, wife had overheard everything that Isaac had said to Esau. So then what she do? She pulls Jacob aside and comes up with this plan. Look, your father's old and he's blind. So we're going to fool him. We're going to put some sheep's wool on your hands. We're going to rub you with some dirt so you smell like your brother. And we're going to put you in front of your father and we're going to fool him so that he'll bless you, Jacob, instead of blessing Esau. Now, mind you, I know you're sitting here thinking, man, that, that's evil. Why would a mother do that? Well, you have to know also earlier in the story that Jacob sold, I mean, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a, a bowl of beans. There wasn't even meat in it. Some of y'all vegans in here are probably like, yeah, this is really good. No, there wasn't even meat in the bowl. Esau looked at him. He's like, look, I'm about to die. He hadn't eaten in one day. He was so hungry. He thought he was going to die. And his brother's like, well, uh, Give me your birthright, I'll give you this bowl of beans. And he sold his birthright. 
But, you know, just because he sold it, it wasn't really his to give away until the father gave it. So what ends up happening is the mother devises a plan to, so he can get what that which was already given away. So he says, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to your father. I'll make the stew. You go to your dad. Pretend like you're Esau so that he'll lay his hands on you and bless you. Now, I need you to understand, a Jewish father's blessing was a formal delegation of the father's leadership and authority to the oldest son. And since the oldest son was assuming the leadership responsibility of the family, he also received a double share of his father's possessions. He got a double portion. Everybody else got crumbs, but the oldest son got everything. He got a double portion. So because he got a double portion, he's getting everything. What, what um, Isaac was about to do was very, very important in the eyes of Hebrew people. The Bible goes on and says he did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. That's because Jacob comes up with the sheepskin on his hands and he's got the dirt on him and as a blind person he says let me touch your hands and fills on his hands and he, and he thinks it's Esau he smelled him he smelled like Esau and this is where we pick up on our scripture today now listen saints of God I don't want you to focus on the deception that's part of the story but don't focus on the deception I want you to see how the father should bless his child we're going to learn today how a father should bless his child today Amen. Genesis 27, 25 through 29. Let's read. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So we went to kiss him and he, and he went and he kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. May, may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mothers bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Now, as we see this, we we see that this blessing that he gave to his son contains four important ingredients that ought to be present in every father's relationship with their child today. Amen. And when we see these four ingredients are present and practiced consistently, then our children will grow up solid, secure, and confident of themselves, able to go out into the world and function normally. Somebody say normally. Not new normally. Everybody's talking about the new normal. We're talking about biblical normal. Amen. Come on, you guys. Some of us, we keep, we train up kids and, and, and statistics will tell you, I believe my son talked about this, that kids, once they get into college, as soon as they leave high school and go into college, they walk away from the faith. A high percentage number of Christian children. They could be raised in church, get to college and forget there ever was a Jesus. But if these ingredients that I'm about to share with you, if they are absent in the home, then too often a child ends up being like Esau steeped in bitterness and anger so let me share with you the four ingredients of Isaac's blessing this is the first the first ingredients was a meaningful touch notice in verse 22 it says this Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him verse 26 says this then his father Isaac said to him come here my son and kiss me now, I want you guys to understand this is not an isolated incident in the Bible where this happens. Almost every time a blessing is bestowed in the Hebrew culture, it involves touching, the laying on of hands, a kiss, an embrace, and something that conveys acceptance and love. When we had the opportunity to go to Israel, we got to sit down with a family, a rabbi, and we experienced Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath meal with the rabbi and when he had his oldest son there he got up and he began to, began to sing psalms and blessings over his son and his son was sitting right next to him he laid his hand on his son and as he laid his hand on his son he blessed him and then he kissed him on the cheek and I didn't realize that at the time that this was a part of the Hebrew custom they do this for a reason even if you look at the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, it says that people brought their children to Jesus. You guys remember that? And when they brought them to Jesus to be blessed, Jesus took them and sat them on their knee. He touched them. He held them. He blessed them. And he kissed them. 
Jesus knew exactly what children needed to feel loved and accepted. So he touched them and he blessed them. It's important that we do this, men, in our homes too. When our children are very small, you can't communicate your love to them with words because they don't understand it. The way that they understand love is by you holding them, by you touching them and feeling them. Even kids that can speak, they don't understand everything you say. You go, you know, I love you. That's an empty word to them. But when you hold them close, when you rock them in the arms, when you kiss them on the face, then they can understand understand what love truly is i want you to know something saints jacob was 40 years old when isaac touched and kissed him 40 40 years old he did that to convey his blessing no matter your age personal contact a handshake a hug a kiss an embrace is important to communicate love and acceptance i'll share this with uh, with you about my my father-in-law papa one of the hardest men I know in life. Yes. This dude right here is so hard. He's hard as nails. He, he always looking, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Mm. Whatever it is, I don't like it. Mm. But I grew up in a very loving, touching, holding type of family. Papa lives with us. And now Judah, who is as big as me, he's my youngest son, he likes to hug and kiss. And I remember when he was young, he would always go to kiss Papa. And Papa, I ain't kissing you. I ain't kissing, we ain't kissing. <laughs> you guys, listen, because that's what we think a lot of times. We think men, strong men, that, that, that aura that we have about men, men don't show emotions, men don't do this. That's a lie from the devil. If Jesus can kiss children, then why can't we? But let me tell you something about kids. They have a way of breaking you down because right now, Papa don't kiss them, but he'll let the kids kiss them. They, he, he hugs them. He, he embraces them now. Back when, back when I first met Papa, when I went to give him a hug, he was about as stiff as that pole right there. He'd be like, now he'll hug you because of the love. And he realizes now this is how we show love. It's through the embrace. It's through the touch. It's through the kiss. My son, Jr., who is 27 years old, still kisses me. Matter of fact, all my kids kiss me. It's that kind of dude. I just, he kissed me on the cheek. They hug me. They even want to just they just want to feel my touch. If I lay down on the floor, once again, Judah, who's my size, a little bit bigger, will come and lay down on me. He, he just his whole body. And because his sister don't want to be left out, then she'll come and lay on me at the same time. So I'm laying there trying to breathe, <laughs> smothered in love. But instead of complaining, I'm like, Lord, this blesses me because of my touch. There's one thing I really miss about my father is his touch. You really don't miss it until it's gone. But I remember this, my dad touching, he would touch my head sometimes. And I could still feel his touch sometimes. I just, I feel it. It brings me comfort because it makes me know that my dad loved me. So the first ingredient of a blessing was a meaningful touch. The second ingredient is this. It's a spoken message of affection and love. Listen as he blesses his son in the last part of verse 27. He says, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. So funny. You guys ever seen your kids outside? When they come back in, they don't smell the same. <laughs> you can tell a kid's been outside by the way they smell. They come in, they come and say, hey, hey, mom, dad, you be like, you smell like, like outside. Why do we say it smell like outside? That outside don't smell like that. But we say they smell outside. Like, that's crazy. But I'm, I need you to picture something right here. So you got to understand that Isaac was an outdoorsman. He loved being outside. He loved being in the wilderness. He loved hunting and fishing. And when his son came close to him and he smelled his son who smelled like what he loves, it was, a, it was an honor to tell him, man, you smell good. I want to share this with you. You know, my son, Jude, Judah, once again, Judah, I got this cologne. It's about 80 bucks a pop, small bottle. And when my son comes out and he got my cologne on, I don't get angry. I smell it and I go, you smell like your dad. Did you catch that? I smell my son trying to be like me. That's what we want as dads. 
We want our children to emulate us. So when he puts on that cologne, I don't get upset. I look at him and I'm like, man, son, you smell good. Where are you going? Mm -mm, you ain't going by yourself because you, you're too young and girls are going to be all over you. Sit down, son. Sit down. You're smelling too good. Now, you see parents all too often with our kids, we're too quick to criticize them. Because we could have criticized, man, that's an $80 bottle of cologne. You should have got the, the spruce or whatever the, the cheap stuff was, old, old stuff, yeah, old spice. You know, the one on the lower shelf. We, we criticize them. About, man, are you dumb? Do you know how much this costs? Son, daughter, <laughs> no, you don't clean that with a Brillo pad. Now the pans are all scratched up. What are you, stupid? We have to be careful how we criticize our kids. You guys hear me? We say things like, you dummy, did you fall and bump your head? Why'd you spill the milk? You're so clumsy. You guys hear me? What was you thinking? You're so lazy. Sometimes some of us, listen, we even talk to our kids about their shape and their size. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You need to gain weight. We don't realize that these harsh words are, are, are piercing through their spirit and their soul and they're holding on to their emotions. Listen, words of criticism really don't do, they don't do much. They don't even accomplish much. All they do is cause your children to withdraw. I don't know about you, but when my kids come and have trouble and they have issues, I want them to come to dad. I've heard so many people say this, I'm not your friend, I'm your father. Well, you can hold that whole father attitude, post, post, but you know what? I know the Bible says that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. That means he's my friend, which means I can come to him and talk to him anytime. But if you want to be a father that can't be reached, you keep that attitude. And every time your kids get into problem or troubles, they're going to find somebody they can talk to. And you better believe those people they can talk to ain't saved. So I want to be my kid's friend and their father. I didn't say they homie. I didn't say they buddy. I said a friend, which will tell them the truth, but will also be able to have an ear to listen when they make mistakes. I think there's definitely room for constructive criticism. The difference between criticism and constructive criticism is uh, criticism tears down. Constructive criticism builds up. Yeah, okay, look, you did good in cleaning your room, but let me show you how you're really supposed to do it. Oh, baby, thanks for, thanks for cleaning the dishes. I really appreciate that. But, you know, next time, just use a, a, a dish rag on these because, you know, it's got this Teflon coating on the inside, and they were really expensive. So don't use a Brillo pad on this because, all right, but thank you. You did such a good job. See, that's constructive criticism. Do you see the difference? See, that kind of stuff builds up so that they know next time they do the dishes, they're going to act like pros. Oh, no, mommy or, or daddy told me that I should use the regular cloth, and they feel comfortable about doing it. That's what we want. But listen, it's more important for us to communicate love through our words to say, you are worth something. I'm glad that God gave you to us. You're better than any present I could ever get. Those words that communicate acceptance and love, and they need to be spoken over and over again, even when your children stumble and fall. Don't wait until the last minute to do it. We should be able to speak to our kids. I know I look at my kids and I go, you know what? I'm so proud of you. And the first thing they say is, why? You're laughing because I want you guys to hear this and hear this very closely because most people, not even children, in relationships, they deal with performance-based relationships. Listen to what I'm saying. You'll love me if. She'll love me more if I do this. He'll love me more if I do this. Our children look at us and go, daddy will be proud of me if I do this, but he'll be very angry and mad at me if I do that. We don't want our kids looking at us like that. We want our kids to know, like we said earlier, they are the one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us, that they are valuable, that they are needed, and we are blessed because of them. I tell my kids, I say, I'm proud of you. They're like, why? I said, for no reason. Just because you're my son. I am so proud and I'm a blessed man that you are in my life. I thank God that I get an opportunity to watch you grow up from such a young child to a grown man. I thank God for you, son. 
My kids come to me and like, Dad, you know, I got my report card and I didn't get all A's like I thought. You know, I, I, I really thought I was doing good. And, and they're, they're, just, they're feeling bad. They're, they're like down. You're like, you know what? That's OK, son. You did good. I'm just proud that you made it. I'm proud you gave it your best. But I could have done better. It's all right. Next time we'll do better. I thank you so much, son, for just trying really hard. We're going to get it the next time, man. You did great. Good job. You accomplished it. You're moving on to the next grade. You're good. Don't worry about it. Don't let that trouble you. Next time we'll just do better. See, they hear these kind of things, they're like, and some of you guys, your kids got F's, and you're, you're like, well, how do, how do I do that with an F? Uh, you said A's, that must mean they have B's. How do I do that with an F? You sit down and go, so what do you think happened? What do you think, you ha- what do you think happened, son? What do you think happened? I don't know. Well, let's think about it. No, 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 let's think about it. Did you do all your work? There was a couple of assignments I left out. Well, there you go. You got, you got what you deserved. Right? See, we're teaching them responsibility. Take responsibility for the F, son. Okay. Yeah, Dad. Yeah, you're right. All right, so this is what we're going to do next year. Next year, we're going to be on top of that. We're not getting any Fs next year. We're going to sit down. Do you need my help? I'll help you with it. We'll sit down. We'll do it together. As soon as you get home, we'll sit down. We'll do your homework. We'll check. We'll make sure everything is good. And then, look, then you know what's going to happen? That F that you got last year, it's going to be a B or an A positive, constructive criticism. When they get that kind of grace from you, they're not going to have a problem coming to you when they slip up and mess up. The third ingredient is assuring them of their value. Notice what Isaac says in verse 28. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. You know what he's saying to him? He's saying, you're so special, God will give you the best that he has. You guys hear that? You know what we do with our kids? We we give our kids something to shoot for and then tell them it's okay if they settle for something less. No, God wants to give you his best, son. God wants to give you his best, daughter. Now, I'm talking to the dads in here because we're the ones that are given the voice to be able to speak and command things over our families. As we look at our children, we should let them know how valuable. God loved you so much that he gave you his only begotten son. And if you would believe on him, you shall be saved and not perish. Do you know God loves you that much? He wants you to have the best that he's had for you. He died for you to have the best. He loves you, son. He loves you, daughter. These are the things that we need to be telling our kids. We can't wait for them to the Sunday school teachers to tell them. Fathers, we need to be saying this to our children as we touch them, as we kiss them, as we tell them about their value. We need to tell them that God loves you. You're valuable. You're more to me than anything else in this earth. If my kid breaks something that's dear to me and he's, he's I'm telling you, he's scared to death. But I'd look at him and I'd say, you know what? Dang. Ah. Yeah. Well, we can eventually place that, but I can't replace you, son. Thank you so much. Because I'm going to tell you what. You're a lot more valuable than that. <sighs> than my trophy that I won in eighth grade. That I've been holding on to for 40 years. The key thing is, saints, men, listen to me. We cannot, we cannot just tell them with words. We have to do things like show them. Like, you guys ever had this happen? Right in the middle of a 49ers game? Because I know everybody's saved and they love the 49ers. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'll give props to some St. Louis fans in here. Kansas City, I mean, Kansas City. Yeah, gosh. Anyway. Yeah. You're sitting there watching the game, and your kid comes up and goes, hey, Dad, I was just thinking about something. You're like, not now. Watching the game. Don't do that to them, because that's telling them that they're not important. I know my daughter, who loves to do all kinds of stuff. She'll sit in her room for hours creating things, literally, by herself. And as soon as she's done, she's so excited about it. And for some reason, she can't wait to show dad first. First, I got to be the first. I'll be studying downstairs. And you guys know, men, you know it's about flow. 
If it's flowing, don't stop me because I need to keep going. If it's flowing, got to keep going. Don't stop me. My daughter will come down. Dad, 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 look what I did. Look what I drew. I want to show you something. If I keep working, I'm telling her you're not important for me to stop doing what I'm doing. But what I have to do is I have to stop doing what I'm doing. Hey, what is it, babe? What you want to show me? I made this. Look at it. I, I designed a whole bedroom, and, and I got a bed in there, and this is my room, and I even got the prices for you for the new bed, the canopy and the paint, the new rug. It's a true story. So I look at it, and I'm like, okay, all right. But because I stopped, it shows her that I value what she has to say. But when I put them off, it says I don't value what they have to say. These are the things we have to do. Look, the game will always be there. Whatever's on TV, the work is always there. God called your first ministry men to be your wife. Your second ministry is your family. This is my third ministry. I'm sorry. I'm married to my wife. I'm devoted to my children. And then comes the church. Period. So let me just say it to you this way. So when your child comes to talk to you, turn off the radio or the TV, take your headphones off, turn your phone off, close your iPad, shut the newspaper. Nobody reads the newspaper anymore. Listen to what they have to say so that they know they're valuable. That says to them, you are worth something. You are more important than anything else I'm doing. And you, I am a blessing. I am blessed because of you. So as I close, my fourth ingredient is this. The picturing of a glorious future. A picturing of a glorious future. I like to call it prophesy over their potential. I'm talking to men now. In verse 29, Isaac says to Jacob, may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mothers bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. I want you to see something here. He didn't say, may nations serve you one day. May the people eventually bow down to you. No, he was speaking to him as if it was happening right now. He was calling things that are not as though they were. He was prophesying his future as it was happening now. How many of you parents actually sit down and look at your children and go, what do you want to be? And if your child goes, I want to be a doctor, dad. And you look at him from then on, you start calling him doc. You begin to prophesy, put it into them. When they have dreams, speak to their dreams, not as one day you're going to be a great doctor. No, you're a great doctor now. These are the things that we need to do. If we are called as men to be kings, priests, and prophets, we're kings. Why? Because we rule righteously. We rule according to what the word of God says. We're called priests because we make the sacrifices that we're supposed to make. Dads, life as a father is about sacrifice. When I think about sacrifice, because I'll be honest with you, there's so many things that I have to do. This week, Kaya, the reason why Pastor, Pastor Kaya is in here, she threw her back out. So I told her, stay at home, lay in the bed. I want her to get better, and I, I need her healed because I can't keep doing her job and my job at the same time, y'all. I'm, I'm worn out. Can, can, ladies, I just, oh, my God. Yes. So I'm trying to take care of her. I'm falling. I'm terribly short, but I'm sitting there, and I, I always feel just in my heart, I'm always giving up my comfort. I'm always giving up my time. I'm giving up my money. I'm giving up things of mine for what my kids want, for what my wife wants, my family needs. And I always started thinking this, but then I started thinking that what Christ said, if any man should come after me, he said, if any man should come after me, let him deny himself. He didn't say deny himself sometimes. He said, let him deny himself. This is the sacrifice as a priest that I've been called to make. The same way Jesus left his comfortability, he left his kingdom, and he came to earth to be with his children, to be a king, to be a priest, because he made the ultimate sacrifice, to be a prophet, because he prophesied over everybody. And if I'm supposed to be the image of Christ in my marriage and in my family, then I ought to do the same thing that Jesus did. We have to prophesy over our children's future. We have to help them 
raise their sights to see what their to see that their future is bright. It's so important. Matter of fact, there's a passage that everybody knows in Proverbs 22 and 6. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go. When he is old, he will not turn from it. We've always made this spiritual application about it. Teach them things of God, and when they're old, they will not forsake them. We, and I'm talking to dads, moms, a lot of you moms in here have been doing a great job. But it's time for us as men to step up and be the fathers that God has called us to be. No longer can we sit back and expect mom to take care of these things. We need to take the active role. We need to be in the homes prophesying over our kids' potential. We need to be making the sacrifices so our sons see us making sacrifices so when they're married, they'll do the same. There's also another application that will help our children find their niche in life and discover who they are. As we are training our children, we have to be the example. You guys hear me? Too many of us are talking a good one, but we ain't being the example. It's easy to tell somebody to do something, but it's harder to show them how to do it. We want our children, our men, to grow up respecting our women. I should have got about 20 amens at that point. It hurts my heart to hear some of these rap songs that are out there. And these women are emulating what the rap songs are doing. So, let me tell you something, parents. Fathers, you need to watch what's being played in your house and what your kids are listening to. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. But so does fear. So does foolishness. They keep listening to the stuff that oh, I'm bougie, I'm bad. I don't even know what that song is. I'm seeing little girls walk around singing this song. It hurts my heart. Because they're growing up. It's teaching them, listen, to be prostitutes. Oh, pastor, that's harsh. That's what it is. Selling their body to the highest bidder. To the guy that has more flash and cash. Instead of knowing their value, but if us as fathers speaking to their lives, yes, we're going to be looked like as the dad. Oh, my, your dad's mean. He's like, your dad is strict. No, dad is trying to protect you from the evil one that's out there. I refuse to allow my children to succumb to what the world is trying to give them because the world doesn't love them. Jesus Christ loves them. And it's up to me as a dad and it's up to you as fathers to give them the right things for holiness and godliness. Daughter wants to know why she can't wear nothing because you're not like the rest of the world. Well, dad, they're going to make fun of me because that's fine. They made fun of Jesus. They make fun of your dad too. Honey, you're not like other girls. (laughs) While they're out there trying to wrestle for for these men and all these, you're already accepted. God loves you with the unquestionable, unthinkable love. And not only that, I love you more than anything else. And you have brothers at church that love you the same way. And you don't have to fall for none of these knuckleheads because God has a future for you. He has a Boaz. Let me show you in the scripture about a woman that waited. She waited for a husband. And this is what she did. She found a Boaz. She found a man of God. This is what's going to happen for you, honey. One day a man's going to find you. And because you are such a woman of God, because he marries you, he's going to find favor with God let me show you what the scripture says this is what we got to teach our children dads I'm telling you right now we need to find our place get back into the place which God has called us to be it's Father's Day Father's Day is one of the most uncelebrated holidays it's not even a holiday you see the jokes all over social media you go ask somebody, you go ask somebody the day before Father's Day, are you ready for Father's Day? They're going to laugh in your face. But you ask somebody, are you ready for Mother's Day? It's one of the highest selling flowers, gifts, everything else. But because people don't respect fathers, and it's not the world's fault, it's our fault as the church. Because we followed after the world and we started sinking back. And God takes no joy in a drawback spirit. It's time to change that, men of God. It's time for the world to see that we will stand flat-footed 
no matter where you're at. I don't care if you're a single father. I don't care if you're a misplaced father and you have a daughter or a son out of wedlock. It doesn't matter. It's time to stand up and show the world that we will be men of God regardless of what the world says. We will stand and love our children. We will speak to them with words of kindness and meekness. We will give to them all that they need to pertaining to godliness. Last thing I want to share with you guys, don't make the mistake as some parents make the mistakes by trying to get our children to become what we want them to be. I know people come to me and they're like, man, you're a pastor, so, you know, your, your boys are going to be pastors and your daughter is going to be. I, I was like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't put this position on anybody. God's got to call them to this. So I asked my son, I said, son, what do you want to be? And then, of course, he was, well, you know, dad, I want to join the army like you. And then uh, uh, I want to be a doctor, too. So I want to be an army doctor. I was like, all right. So I asked my daughter, I said, what do you want to be? She's like, I'm thinking about the army, but I want to be a nurse. I want to take care of people. I want to, I'm good, honey. The only thing I require of my children is that they serve the Lord. I was like, if you want to be a doctor, you be a doctor. But you know what? I want you to be able to do surgery on somebody and tell them about Jesus. I, if you're going to be a nurse, I want you to do in there and do nurse duties. But look, be able to pray for them. Look around and be like, here, let me share something with you. Something like, let me tell you about the healer, the real healer right now. Our responsibility as fathers is to help our children see themselves for who they really are and to help them prepare for a glorious future. I really think the mortar that holds the family together is a meaningful touch. I believe it's a spoken message assuring them of their value to picture a, a glorious future, to prophesy to their potential. And this morning, Jesus is the perfect father who conveyed to all of us the ingredients of his blessing in just one verse of scripture. And it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God still loves you to this day. He loves you so much that he's offering you eternal salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you receive him today as your Savior? Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.